Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Friday. It is the 13th of... December 2019, I am in the mobile studio once again, but I am parked, so there shouldn't be too much ambient noise that we pick up. And I do, I knew I was going to be here, so I uh, brought some of my stuff with me. Now, I did, I also did a little bit of um, an armed ape episode talking about the movie Brightburn. So if you're, if you like that, go over and join me. For a discussion on Brightburn, it was a little rambling, uh, but I did it while I was driving, while I was going to, and I'm going to talk somewhat about today, when I went out to the shooting range. So, before we jump in with all that stuff, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. I do have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You are limited there. I think I think it's maybe up to three minutes. I should actually call in and see how long it lets me go uh, before it cuts me off. But anyway, uh, so you can send in an audio message that way. Or if you would like to send in a regular old email or if you want to record your own audio, which is if you're going to do audio, I think it's probably the best way because that way you can edit it or have it sound the way you want to sound. You can kind of get everything down and you don't have any time pressure or anything like that. And we will have some subjects that I'm sure some of you guys probably will want to weigh in on. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We shall see. Over on the website, there are buttons. Did I give the, uh, I don't think I gave the email address, did I? I did not. That was rather remiss of me. The email address, if you do want to send that stuff in, is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you will find buttons for Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And I am going to be putting some stuff up on the Instagram feed, and I am going to be putting up probably another video maybe sometime this coming week. I don't know if I'll get it done this weekend or not. Uh, But I am planning on getting this show done. I have the Armed Ape show that I did where I talked about the movie Brightburn. I've got those audio files in the computer. I just have to edit them and then get them uh, up and posted. So... Uh, anyway, I'm starting to stray a little bit already. So there is also over on the website, a PayPal donation button. And if you ever felt you wanted to support the show financially, it's very easy to go over there. You just click on that button and, uh, Bob's your uncle. That is enough of that stuff. So let's talk about maybe something I kind of, I've got a couple of heavy things to talk about and then one light thing to talk about. I was wondering if I should do maybe the which order I should go. And I think what I'll do, maybe I'll talk about the light stuff first and then we'll end it with some of the heavy stuff. So the light stuff 
was, and I I, uh, I am going to try and put some stuff up on uh, YouTube and Instagram, my videos that I that I did today when I went out to the range. And this is my light stuff. I did go out to the range, and if some of you have gone over and subscribed on uh, to my YouTube channel, which again, there's a button over there on the website. Uh, my YouTube channel is Every Blade of Grass, and it's uh, relatively easy to find. There is a video where Ken and I went, and we just did a couple of shots with my PCC that I was sort of Frankensteining or building or however we want to say it. And then we also had some footage of uh, Ken and I shooting his. I think I think both of us were. Maybe it was just him. I can't remember. It's been so long since I've done the video. Uh, anyway, he has the Ruger PCC in 9mm. And so we, we shot that. And that thing kind of ran like a scalded cat. It was no problem. But I was getting some light primer strikes on mine. And I had talked before about how I called up both Foxtrot Mike, who I had the upper from, and I was using a, a pistol lower, an AR lower, and was using Stern Defense using their Magwell adapter. And there were a few reasons that I went with that, and I can maybe talk about those a little bit later if, if we feel the need. But uh, basically, when I called them, Foxtrot Mike had one solution, and Stern Defense as a company had another solution. So Stern Defense wanted me to take the Foxtrot Mike Bolt and send that to them. And then for... I, th I think by the time I shipped it and then by the time they machined it and shipped it back, they were basically just kind of charging for shipping to and from and really weren't doing anything as far as charging to have the amount of labor that they would probably normally charge. It was only going to be, I don't know, if I remember right, let's say our under it was under $20. However, I was sending them basically a $100 part. And then once they machined that thing out, um, I don't know if that would have caused complications later on down the road. Let's say if I wanted to get a Foxtrot mic lower. So when I called Foxtrot mic, and I had seen a video that they had done on YouTube where they were saying, oh, if some people are having problems with the extractors being too high, not only with Stern Defense, but also with maybe other... 9mm lowers that they were being able to use that weren't proprietary uh, with their upper. And they were saying, well, what you can do is you can take out the uh, you can take out the extractor because what's happening is, and the reason that you're getting a light primer strike is that extractor is kind of like if you made a little hook with your finger on your, you know, on your hand, and that is it kind of sits in that magwell. And then the bolt in the upper rides over that. And, and the bolt, there is a sort of a relieved section in there. And what was happening is I think the stern defense on some lowers, you could maybe kind of position the adapter low enough to where it cleared it and you didn't really have any problems. On others, which and I think mine was one of the cases, that if you... If you position that Stern Defense Magwell thing too low, number one, it won't catch. Uh, but number two, if you've got it down too low, sometimes that's just enough of a, of a stack tolerance where it won't feed correctly. 
or maybe it won't extract correctly. Or in my case, you know, you get, um, and so that may not be able to, to solve the problem. Or like in my case, you get a, a light primer strike because I think it was slowing down the bolt maybe just enough or causing just enough friction to where it was, it, it could hit it, but it, it lacked that force. So I suppose maybe one solution uh, would be that you could just run the bolt back and forth a million times, maybe even put a little bit of lapping compound or something on both surfaces and do it that way. However, what Foxtrot Mike said was, well, go ahead and in that adapter, just take out, it's, it's just, they're basically just two uh, little screws that go in that are uh, Allen head screws. And you'll be able to remove that extractor and they had a video showing where all we do is we just take it on a, a belt sander or a disc sander and we just, we file off some of the top. So it's basically just lowering the top of, and kind of maybe the rounded portion of that little hook. If you talk, if you think about that with your finger and you were just kind of taking off a little bit of that top layer. So I did that and I, I did it on a, a actual belt sander. And the problem I was having was I didn't have anywhere to go. And if you watch the, if you go over to the website and watch the video, you'll be able to, I'll, I'll put in some footage of kind of what I did. So I did that and I didn't really have a way to test it. And I thought, hmm, I don't want to drive. There's, to me, to drive out of the desert, it's going to be at least a couple, almost an hour and a half to be able to find some desert that's not closed. And I've talked about this stuff before. Or I'm going to have to go to a range and pay $14, take one or two shots, and it doesn't work. And then you know, I have to leave because they're not going to let me work on my stuff there. So I have to leave, come back, you know, the next day or the next week, and it's just another $14. You know, you keep kind of adding up. You know, or you're paying maybe, you know, a full tank of gas or something to be able to get somewhere where they haven't closed everything down. And then you get all the way out there and you're like, ooh, unless I've got an inverter and can, you know, well, anyway. So I did that and I thought, well, what I could do is I could take um, some empty nine millimeter cases that I've already resized for reloading, put a primer in there and just load that in one at a time into the chamber and see if it, if the, if it will come in and do it, well, it was doing it. So I did that and it was detonating the primer. However, once I got to the gun range, um, this, and this was a while back. So I thought, okay, well, I've, I've been able to do it. I ran about three, we'll call them just primer charges through and it seemed to do it. And I would pull the charging handle back and it would seem to, it seemed to extract it just fine. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this has solved the problem for me. But of course, I wasn't using it in conjunction with a magazine or anything like that because it was just the, a case and a primer. Uh, so I thought, well, we'll go to the gun range. We'll see how it does. I went to the gun range, and I it fired once, it, and then it cycled, and then it didn't fire. And then I was sort of getting the same thing where it would, it would fire... But I think there was enough resistance there still to where it really wouldn't cycle or it wouldn't feed. Uh, sometimes it wouldn't eject. Sometimes it would. So there was still a little bit more work that needed to be done. So on the YouTube channel, I have a video where I fixed my old uh, Delta belt sander. And that's actually a little one-inch belt sander. 
And that's actually what I used after that was one of the first things that I used is I took that extractor out and I used that on my little belt sander there and took some material off. And I thought, well, I think I've got enough. And so what I did today on the unluckiest of days, which in turned out to be lucky for me, I know I'm kind of spoiling it here a little bit, but I then put everything back together, took it out, went out to the range and I went out to that. I'm out in Arizona and there's a range that's uh, outside of a, a town called uh, Casa Grande. And so I went there because it is what is called uh, an open range. There's no fee. It's free. And there are no range officers. Uh, and you've got a couple of rifle bays and two or three pistol bays. I was fortunate in that right when I showed up, a guy left. And so I had a bay to myself pretty much almost until I was getting ready to, uh, I was packing up basically. And uh, met a couple, uh, a man and his uh, son, real nice guys, and talked to them for a little bit. But anyway, so I got, I got to the range and I had brought two 33-round sticks, so the Glock 18 mags. And then I also had just brought one G17, so a 17-round mag. And I thought, well, we'll just kind of see how they do. I didn't have, I didn't have, and I uh, was going to use my uh, Aimpoint Pro for the red dot. And I thought, well, I'm not even going to bother to put it on. So what I did is I loaded up the Glock 17 with five rounds, shoved it in there and just, you know, bang, 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 bang. And it worked. It went and it worked. It cycled. Uh, everything worked fine. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll go ahead. I'll put the, the uh, red dot on and then I'll start working that red dot in. And I've got another story that I can tell you. Maybe I'll, I'll tell that at the end of the podcast. You guys will have to remind me. So anyway, I had uh, needed to cite that in. Well, you know what? I'll just go ahead and tell you that story now. I went out with some friends of mine. They were citing in their rifle for an elk hunt. And it was, unfortunately, it was rainy, but it was sort of the only day that we could all kind of get together and go. And they were going to have to go soon. So there was a little bit of a time frame as well. Uh, and I took out uh, one of my ARs with that Aimpoint Pro on there. And I thought, oh, we know we'll goof around. I'll let them shoot that and have some fun with it. But it was so rainy that I couldn't see, and we didn't have a spotting scope. I couldn't see where I was hitting on the target. And we were there, you know, primarily for them to get their rifle sighted in. But I was frustrated in that. And I was very proud of, and these are my neighbors, I was very proud of her because she was the one who had decided she wanted to go on the hunt. She uh, did a lot of the initiative, took a lot of the initiative and had a, the rifle she had, I don't know what kind it is. I should, I should uh, guess I'll get some more information on it, but it is a beautiful rifle. It's uh, very aesthetically pleasing. It's really kind of a neat thing. So I went on to, um, went, you know, went on with them and, and, you know, did their stuff. And I, but I just, I didn't have any luck with it. And I was trying to think, well, maybe I can walk it in. And, but of course, you know, at the, at the, and this was at a range where we were at was, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Rio Salado or something like that, I think. And of course it's, it's a regular range and it's got range officers and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You have to do all this different stuff. And, you know, they were super nice, and uh, and uh, we'll tell a little bit more about that experience as well. 
and they helped out and everything. When we first got there, there was only maybe a couple other people there. So they were a lot of the, the range guys who were, su- again, super nice, were looking for stuff to do. So they really helped her out as far as getting her rifle sighted in. Um, she is a, an excellent shot. She's very deliberate. She doesn't rush the shot. She, you know, so she did very, very well. We sighted it in basically at 100 yards. And then we had her shoot at one of the uh, steel plates that's about 300 yards out. And she was just boom, 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 hitting it every time. So that was sort of, and so my, I had basically trying to figure out, you know, well, like maybe I think I'm hitting here and it turned out I wasn't. And then I was making adjustments to the red dot that I probably didn't need to be doing. So that was when I got out today, I had to kind of fix all the damage that I had done, so to speak. So, and eventually I got that. And if you go over uh, onto YouTube and check that out, you'll be able to see that stuff. I'm also putting things over on GunStreamer and I get out. What I'll do is maybe in the body of the post on the website, I will put a link to GunStreamer. I don't know if I, if they have an actual button or a way that I can make a button. I'm too stupid to figure that stuff out. Also too lazy. Uh, so it might be easier just to put a link into the, to the, uh, to my channel page over at GunStreamer. Um, so I got out to the range. I fired off those five rounds and I was like, yes, yeah, I'm like, great. It's working. I, I think I've got this solved. And I, uh, ran one of the, um, 30 round sticks. I had two of those and one of the 17, like I said before, I ran both of those. They seemed to work fine. And then it was odd. I, uh, and I had to fiddle, you know, with the, um, with the, uh, stern defense magwell adapter a little bit. And then once, you know, so I did have some stoppages and some failures to feed and failure to extract, but I think that was, I didn't have that magwell kind of adjusted in, to where it needed to be. Now the th- well, I'll, I'll circle back around to that here in a second. Uh, one of the things with that magwell. So uh, once I got it kind of relatively tuned in, I was still having a little bit of trouble with the Glock 17 mag, where I would use the uh, the bolt catch release. And sometimes it seemed like it didn't want to feed it in. And I didn't know if maybe I didn't have it seated a certain way or if it was just being a little finicky or maybe it was that particular mag. Maybe when I was putting, I didn't have that trouble with the 30 round sticks, the 33 round sticks, 32, I think it's 32 round. There's 33. I don't know. I don't care. Anyway, um, I think it's 33 rounders because it's 31. Yeah, it's 33. Anyway, when I think maybe when I was putting the, the, uh, the fun sticks in, I think maybe I was putting them in a little bit differently and maybe they were going up a little higher or they were, maybe I was pulling down and they were coming down a little bit lower, you know, cause I, you insert and then tug to make sure that it's in there. So I was thinking, well, I, you know, maybe it just doesn't like this particular mag. It seems to be doing everything else fine. One thing I will say too, I, I did a little bit, I, I was kind of monopoding off of the magazine, especially on the 30 rounder, the 33 round. And when I would do that and, you know, bang, 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 pull that trigger, I had two of them that were almost in through the same hole. And so, and I was shooting, um, uh, I guess it's maybe NATO spec ammunition. They're from, a, it's from Germany called MEN. 
And I really like that ammo. It's 120, is it? I think 100, I think it's 124 grain. I could be wrong. It might be 147. I don't think it is. I think it's 124. I think that's what their, their NATO spec is or something like that. Anyway, I like that ammo. It's, uh, it's uh, very well made. It's clean. It shoots. I've never had any problems with it. So I ran a, a couple of sticks through, and who knows, maybe by doing that, and I thought, well... I'll let me run the um, let me run the Glock 17 mag through again. I only had the one, and I thought, well, I'll go ahead and film it. And uh, turns out, once I filmed it, it was like, I'm like, well, I'll go ahead and try this and see what it does. And boop, and it I hit the uh, bolt catch release, boom, fed right in. Uh, had no problems firing. I had also with the with the sticks and with that magazine. So I think maybe it just kind of lapped itself in enough, you know, and I only shot maybe about 60 rounds. And then it was the thing where I was going to need to get, you know, have to get back home and stuff. But um, the main thing was to go out there and see if, if it was running, get it sighted in and all that stuff. So I don't know. I, I had... Um, I could uh, put a full, uh, um, relatively full magazine in, let's say, you know, a ten ra- of ten rounds. So I don't, I don't have a lot of spring pressure. But I did it with twenty-five with the, the fun sticks. And I think the most I did was was uh, ten with the Glock 17. And I could eat, and I could, with a full, with a mag inserted and nothing in the chamber, I could pull it back and boom, and it would go. I found that it would, it would feed reliably. It would chamber reliably. Uh, with the uh, using the the charging handle pretty much all the time, I didn't really have any problems. So I think maybe I've got it. Um, I've got it maybe figured out. Hopefully, I I want to try it with some other mags, some other some different mags. I've got them numbered so I know which ones I took with me, and uh, I'll keep kind of a little bit of a log of it, and that way I can know. Oh, okay, you know, maybe it just doesn't like this mag, or maybe, you know, maybe something was off a little bit with it, or, you know, I don't know. Um, anyway, that, so I was, I was uh, very happy to get that kind of resolved, and I was happy to be able to sort of make some of the fixes and stuff on my own, and not have to try and send it into a company and then hope that they don't mess it up and this, that, and the other thing. And kind of getting back to uh, the reason why I went with the solution of going with the Foxtrot. Mike Foxtrot, there we go. Mike solution was that if I messed up Stern Defense's extractor, it's only $8 part. And for them to send it out, ship me a new one, you know, would probably be another eight. So maybe 16 total as opposed to, and I I think I briefly mentioned it before, but as opposed to if I send them the FM bolt, Foxtrot might, FM bolt, and they mess it up or it's, there's something off about it for me to have to replace that bolt. I mean, I would... If, if they really screwed it up, I would go to Stern Defense and try and get them to pay for it. But if they didn't, they would say, hey, you sent it to us at your own risk. You know, you're just you're just out of luck. You're SOL. So if that happened and I wanted to replace that bolt, which I would need to do, 
you're looking at about 99, it's like $100 basically. So I, I figured, well, the risk is only, I'm only really risking about, you know, eight to $10 probably realistically. Uh, because what I probably would have had them do is, let's say if I messed up the extractor, I probably would have had them ship me out two. So I would have gotten two for the price of one shipping because they're basically just, a, they're just a little hunk of metal basically. Anyway, so that was my fun range experience. Let me know if you guys have any PCCs or if you've uh, had any uh, frustrating experiences with them or if you've had just kind of smooth sailing with them. I had a little bit of um, a hiccup, I guess, you know, but nothing really major. And then also it was nice in that I understood that uh, I knew there were solutions out there. Uh, one thing I will say for both companies, both were very friendly when I spoke with them, both Stern Defense and uh, Foxtrot Mike, which I think they, they also maybe go by FM Products as well. Both were very helpful. Both were, you know, willing to say, okay, here's the solution that we have that we think will, will work for you. Uh, and, you know, ABC, blah, blah, blah. All right. Um, let's talk about something that is a little bit heavier. Of one of the heavier things that I, of the two heavy things that I, I want to talk about. And the first will be what is going on in Virginia. For some of you guys maybe that don't know, Virginia used to be primarily you would consider a red state, pretty much conservative, pretty pro-Second Amendment, probably one of the more pro-Second Amendment states uh, that, that was out there at one time would have been considered pretty high. You know, I don't know if it ranked as high as Arizona or maybe Utah or, or Texas, something like that, but definitely nowhere near what it is now. So anyway, with their their last kind of sets of elections, from my understanding, and I, I could be wrong on my understanding, but it seemed from what I've heard is that Bloomberg came in, Michael Bloomberg came in with a bunch of money and was was able to tip the scales with the influx of money to get Democrats elected. And he didn't have to spend, you know, $14 billion. He, he spent a lot of money, but he, when you compare it to what the other people had, what the other, other uh, sort of war chest was or campaign chest, he was able to outspend pretty much everybody. And I don't, I, I can't remember the number. I had heard the number the other day. It, I think it was like twenty million or something. Maybe I don't think it was two hundred million, and I don't think it was two. I don't think it was as low as that, but I, I think it was around like twenty million dollars or something that, of his own money that he was able to pump in, and he was able basically to affect political change by adding his money because he could just overwhelm the other people in these other in these certain key districts. And he, he did a lot of this stuff in these districts where you have they're more like urban type or more city type and you've got a lot more Democrat base there. And so he was able to go in, kind of get that stuff. You also where you see how they have 
certain districts, how they have those uh, drawn up makes it to where it's more advantageous. And they've done this stuff over the years, again, through, you know, corruption and all this other stuff. But what you see in Virginia is it's a little bit of a microcosm of you have all these rural counties that don't get much representation. And then you have these super dense urban counties that have these higher populations and they were able to get in a bunch of Democrats. And so now these smaller geographic areas are controlling a vast amount of the state and they are pushing through just tons. They're trying to push through tons of stuff uh, through uh, magazine restrictions, uh, assault, what they call assault weapons or assault firearms, basically, which means they can they can define any basically pretty much semi-automatic weapon. You, you could probably also, if they really wanted to get down to it, could say, well, you can file fire, excuse me, multiple times from a pump shotgun, so you can't have a large tube on it. You can fire multiple times from a lever action. You know, you can fire those super fast. So we got to ban those. Uh, and what they're looking at doing is banning those things. So they're looking at basically confiscation schemes and confiscation, uh, um, well, schemes, I guess, is probably the best word to use going forward. And then what you had happen is you had a, uh, a guy who I think he's a, I think he's a representative. He's, uh, he was, it wasn't the governor that said this, but what they were talking about is I think there's 90 some odd counties in Virginia, about 80 of them as of today, as far as I know, there could be more, have their county seats and county people have said we are doing Second Amendment sanctuary cities to where we're telling our law enforcement people do not enforce this stuff. And a lot of sheriffs out there are saying we're not going to enforce this law if you're going to say that you're going to do that because it you can't take away somebody's. And this is kind of from their perspective. This is not what I'm saying, but this is what they are saying, although I agree with it. They're saying you cannot take away somebody's human right that is is. Um, and has also been codified in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution. You cannot just elect or, or, or uh, legislate those rights away because you have the Constitution is supposed to be in the Republic, is supposed to be the supreme law of the land. So it would be the same thing as if, for whatever reason, uh, the Democrats in Virginia decided that you are not going to be allowed to publish a newspaper or if you do, the content has to go through the government. Uh, they, if they said you're not going to be allowed to uh, practice your religion, only the religion that we approve of, you are not going to be allowed to, um, we're going to make you house, let's say if we went to the third amendment, we're going to make you house uh, certain police officers for stakeouts, and, and you're not going to be able to do anything. You're just going to have to put up with them. We're going to make you... Yeah, we're going to use your land to run military, national, or, or our our uh, state national guard training on. We're just going to commandeer your land, and you can't say anything about it. You know that type of thing. And if they were doing stuff like that, people would say like, "Well, you can't, you can't do that. You can't vote that away." But so you know, I don't know. It's it's uh, what we're seeing is is also a thing of some people have 
talked about how that if places like Texas and Florida fall, that what you will have is, and by that what I mean is that if the, say, if the left takes those over, far extreme anti-gun left, if they take over places like that, then you you don't really, and, and even other places like Arizona and Utah and places like that that are endangered, places like New Mexico, even though they don't have huge electoral votes, they're still, you know, decent sized ones. So if those, but especially if, you know, Texas and some other places fall and they turn blue, then what you're going to have is a situation similar to Virginia in that it won't be possible really for the other side. And unfortunately for us, the other side, the Republicans are quote unquote, the second amendment side. It won't really be possible to then stop them probably in the house or if, or if it's, if they can always get a, let's say a Democrat in there or a far left person in there and you just can't get a Republican in anymore or a conservative or a libertarian or anybody else who's different, it's only going to be a a far left Democrat. Then what, then it, they don't necessarily have to really control all of the Senate and control all of the house, although eventually they, you know, they, they might, but what would happen is because the executive branch controls the judicial is they would be able to stack all the courts. So every circuit court like would become the ninth circuit so that they could pass whatever laws. And if you tried to, and and because unfortunately we've given so much power to the court system in this country, the courts have become basically a de facto legislative branch. And what they would do is they would be able to take anything that you would say, well, that's unconstitutional. You're, you're basically going into a kangaroo court at that point. So, you know, is, is that something that's going to happen? I used to think even just a few weeks ago, I used to think, no, that's probably not going to happen. But I'm seeing it happen. And, I'm, and what you're seeing is somebody like a Bloomberg who is going after some of these small little states and who is doing basically a divide and conquer type thing. I'm going to have to go here in just a few minutes, so I will finish up my thoughts on the, on the Virginia thing. But again, like I said, we're seeing sort of similarities. We're seeing a lot of people who are saying this is going to be the boogaloo, uh, which means that's basically the, the term for civil war, kind of uh, a, uh, a meme-type term for that. I don't know. Um, the reason why it, it seems a little different now is you had one of the representatives basically saying, well, the, if, hey, look, these are the laws, we've passed the laws, you have to obey these laws and the laws will be enforced. And if the police won't enforce them, what we will do is the governor will be able to, he has it as an option. Now, I'm not speaking for the governor, but he has as an option to use the National Guard and we're going to use the military. So this is very disturbing when you have an elected official saying we are we are not only considering but are willing at least from this this one guy's standpoint we are willing to use the military on our own soil against our own people and this is some very 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 disturbing stuff and it it harkens back to some of the things that we've seen in Katrina 
way back when. It harkens back to other things where in these very liberal uh, states where you see that they've got massive gun control, the police have no problem just trampling all over you and and taking your stuff. Uh, All right, guys, I'm going to need to stop. I will maybe finish this up tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, And what I'm going to talk about is the UPS shooting that happened down in Florida. So when I come back, we will talk about that. All right, I will see you guys, or see you. I will talk to you guys here in just a second. Hey guys, I am in the mobile studio. It's been a, a day since I was doing the follow-up stuff uh, on uh, the Firearms Cafe thing uh, where we were talking about what was going on in Virginia. And I saw an article today about that the Grand Poobah or whatever it is from, uh, I think, maybe having to do with the Virginia National Guard I don't know what his rank is. I can't remember off the top of my head, but if he's uh, acting general or something, you know, I don't know, whatever whatever it is. A lot of you guys out there would know what that is. I don't. Uh, but what he basically did was he gave kind of a politician's answer, meaning that since there are no orders from him right now coming from the governor and we have to remember that the guy who was saying that, oh, is just some representative, he's not, he's not the actual governor who I, and again, I, I'm not sure how the command structure of that stuff works if that the National Guard is under sort of the, uh, the purview or serves at the pleasure of the governor or if the governor can call them up. I don't know then if I don't know the structure of the National Guards. I know each state has its own National Guard chapter or charter or whatever we want to call it. And but I but I, I I'm sure that the federal government has control of them. So even if let's say uh, what's his name Northrum is that the governor of Virginia? Let's say that. They pass all this stuff, stuff goes through, and he's wanting to do a confiscation scheme. And so he sends, he's telling the police, you got to go out there and do it. There is enough of resistance in certain local and rural counties where the sheriff's office out there, who are basically, a lot of times, probably there, there aren't really any city police, it's probably mostly uh, sheriffs. Or those guys are like, nah, we're not doing it. At that point, does that guy... Does, I would... Eh, I don't know. Um, the way that it it works in Arizona... I know I'm kind of rambling here. because A lot of thoughts are kind of popping into my head as I'm actually kind of speaking this stuff out loud and thinking about it. The way that law enforcement or police or whatever you want to call it works in a state like Arizona is if, if you're a sworn officer in Arizona you are uh, whether you're sheriffs or, or uh, 
local police or state police, you are a, you're, you're, what's the word, maybe accredited through, or you get your authority through, and I used to, I used to know the term, but it's like ALIOAC, or ALI, but it's like Arizona Law Enforcement Certified, or something like that. So, um, technically, you have uh, some jurisdiction no matter where you are in the state. So even if you were, let's say, a Phoenix police officer, if you were in Tucson or if you were in uh, Flagstaff or up north, maybe in Kingman or something like that, I think that you you could still affect arrests. You could still uh, you know, detain people, things like that. Uh, because you're certified throughout the whole state. Again, I don't know all the details on that particular thing, how it actually works, you know, whether if you were a Phoenix guy and you arrested somebody in Tucson, whether, you know, you'd have to go through some paperwork or, you know, maybe you would be seen as stepping on somebody's toes or something like that or, you know, who knows. But anyway... I would think that maybe what the what the governor might try and do first would be to get some of some of his political appointees, so some of the chief of police in some of the bigger cities, to try and get their SWAT teams maybe to go out first before they would call out the National Guard, uh, because he might have more control over them. But again, this stuff is bad. This is. Uh, even though the you know the commander of the Virginia National Guard basically gave kind of a a, a political answer, which I, I again not knowing how the the actual rank and and, and uh, chain of command and all that stuff kind of works with there, I'm, but usually a lot of those higher up guys in any organization is going to be more political. I mean that uh, commander is not going to be leading the raid on somebody's house. Or trying to arrest police officers or something who failed to comply with enforcement orders. So, uh, but you know, this is kind of setting a bad uh, precedent for some of the stuff that I talked about yesterday. But unfortunately, we don't in this country. It's it's gotten to the point where we don't really have politicians anymore. What we have is almost like a little mini aristocracy. We have a lot of these guys that have been in, you know, since some of them in their 20s, some of them, in, you know, in, the, in their 30s have been politicians their whole life. They're like little duchesses and barons or little princesses and princes. And, you know, they've, they've carved out their own little uh, fiefdoms. And, uh, you know, they're kind of like if we look at feudal Japan, they're kind of a lot of them really with the amount of power that they can wield. And, yeah, they in theory they have to uh, answer to the voters. But, you know, I mean, come on, they've... They, they uh, rig everything up and they rig districts up where you know 
where it's it's only going to be um, you know only it's only going to be possible for a Democrat to win or once they uh, sort of get their hooks into major uh, like I was saying yesterday major metropolitan areas which have more representatives by virtue of just the population so that you have four or five counties are going to um, control what probably in the case of Virginia maybe you've got like 10 counties that are going to control probably 60 or 70 something like that you know or maybe you know, maybe those aren't quite the numbers but you know at that point uh, I, I saw a uh, video a guy was talking about and he was saying well maybe in some of these states it's 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 time to do something like the electoral college where you have to do this in order that these rural populations uh, aren't ruled by the kind of the uh the dazzling urbanites in the in the cities. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see what what kind of happens. Now, do I think this, there's going to be kind of a civil war is kicked off? And I talked about this stuff on a, on a, a couple of shows before. I really don't think that is uh, that is what's going to happen. Uh, I think that. What we what we would uh, I don't know. I think that a lot of Americans are gonna only be pushed so far, and I think one of the tipping points is with firearms. Uh, I does that mean that ninety five percent of gun owners are gonna rise up? You know, no, I don't I don't think so. What I think it probably means is it would be much like in the Revolutionary War. You might have 3% of people that would actually fight. Uh, and if if they ever did elect a... Well, I don't, I don't even know if I want to even go down these roads because I'm, I'm just sort of talking out of my... the other side of my neck, so to speak. Um, but based on what I've seen uh, and how we talked about I keep saying yesterday but for you just a few moments ago how we talked about that certain police departments certain National Guard units are going to be more than willing to do that especially if the federal government wants to go along with it. They will do what they did in Katrina. They'll send units from Oklahoma or from Chicago or from somewhere else so it won't be these aren't our people that we're doing this to that type of thing so uh, I don't know I, I it'll be interesting I guess really to see is there going to be any blowback and there's already started to be some blowback because in Virginia several of the outlying counties are are saying that we are uh, Second Amendment sanctuary cities or counties, and we're not going to enforce those laws. And of course, that was what you know brought up all the 
the to-do about. Uh, but there have there there was one particular county where basically the sheriff was saying you know the the people were were saying that you know we want to enact this sanctuary Second Amendment sanctuary city, and the sheriff was like, well, too bad. If even if you do that, we're still going to enforce it. If they if the law comes down, that's what we're going to do. And so they they uh, initiated proceedings to do it the right way. Basically, they went and uh, got petitions signed to have a recall on the sheriff to say, okay, well, you know, you you got to understand you work for us. We're not your chattel. We're not your slaves. And if you're not going to enforce the will of the people, and in this case, the will of the, the people is, is backed up by, uh, you know, what you could say, whether you believe it has any any teeth anymore or not is 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 backed up by the constitution and the bill of rights and the second amendment and when that guy uh, when that uh, sheriff took his oath of office he basically said well i'm gonna go ahead and uh, defend the constitution again remember the constitution is supposed to be uh, the supreme law of the land Meaning that just because Virginia maybe votes that, oh, guess what? Chinese people can't own businesses anymore. Well, that's the law. We're going to enforce it. You, you, you know, that, that would never fly. Uh, or, you know, to say, oh, well, you know, all, uh, all women now are subservient to men. They can't be allowed to own uh, any property they can you know you know that stuff people would be like oh you're crazy that's not gonna you know that's not gonna happen so and you know there are there are uh what's the word i'm looking for procedures there are uh, policies in place and, and supposedly in all these uh, agencies that would allow the rank and file officers, agents, whatever you want to call them, to say, oh, this is unconstitutional, or these are unjust, or these are not. Um, I'm trying to, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maybe, I, maybe I said it, but these are unjust laws, and we won't enforce them because they are. They go against what our what our country is. It, you know, it violates due process or blah blah blah. You know, whatever it does. So, uh, I don't know. It, 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 there is stuff in place where you, where they could do that. But, and again, you know, a, a lot of this time, uh, some of this stuff can be kind of taken out of context. I did read the article where that representative was talking about that, and about you know having the national guard come out and having them prosecute under and i i don't and again i don't i'm ignorant of how i guess they would have to maybe go after them maybe on a federal level or maybe the uh, under the state stuff i guess i don't know if the sheriffs again are are under the the jurisdiction of the governor or if uh, it's supposed to be that the sheriff when 
is is the um, is the highest law enforcement official in the area because that person has been elected directly by the people. He hasn't been appointed by a mayor or uh, you know by a governor or something like that. You know, through some emergency uh, decree. Um, so I, I don't know, but it, it will be very interesting to see. Oh. One of the things that happened with the um, with the uh, sheriff was that they they uh, the uh, county clerk who's in charge of all the the uh, different petitions and everything basically let the sheriff see him and they violated you know procedure and all this other stuff. Well, anyway, the uh, the um, recall is still going through so it'll be interesting to see anyway i'm getting ready to show up here where i need to be so i will uh join you guys here in a second hey guys i'm back we are still in the mobile studio however it's a few days later it's actually the 19th so it's thursday uh the 19th of december as, as uh, fate would have it, there is a car in front of me that is from Virginia. So let's go ahead and continue that. Now, uh, a few seconds ago for you guys, we were talking about Virginia and what was going on and how there were a lot of counties there that were doing um, sanctuary, Second Amendment sanctuary things. And basically, we're not going to enforce any of these anti-second amendment laws or anti-constitutional laws however you want to however you want to put it and it's it's also showing uh when i was last with you just a couple of uh in, in the first couple of segments or whatever a lot of this stuff hadn't played out to the extent that it has uh, and it's the same thing with the impeachment and I'm going to sort of tie some of that stuff together because I think it is going to impact what's going to happen in the 2020 election. So we'll sort of stick with the Virginia thing. You see that the majority of the counties there have enacted, you know, as of today's day, have enacted Second Amendment sanctuary status, saying they're not going to enforce any type of confiscation they are forming uh, getting and forming militias in several of these counties saying okay if you bring in the national guard we're going to protect our we're going to protect ourselves you know we we're not going to have our rights uh, trampled upon so what we're seeing now is we're seeing that the democrats some of them some of whom have not been sworn into office yet. We're seeing that they're already saying stuff of like, well, we're still going to pass a bunch of this stuff, but we'll grandfather it in. And it's like they don't really understand. I think they, I think they think that they can maybe push push stuff through and and push some of these these uh, bans and uh, restrictions on you know magazines and what you can have and what type of rifle you can buy going forward I think they think that they can become like Hawaii or California or uh, Massachusetts 
But I don't... I, I think they've really kind of overplayed their hand. I think that a lot of these people... It's, it's become so... That's the word I'm looking for. It's become so polarized in that you're either in column A or you're in column B. And I think, and I'm not sure, is it uh, a couple more years? So maybe uh, 2022 when some of these people are going to come up for re-election? The question with that is, you would think, oh, they're going to they're going to uh, be ousted because everybody... You know, where they can, like the governor, where everybody in the state votes. On these certain districts, eh, probably, you know, not. Some of that stuff is going to remain the same. But I think even in some of those districts, it's going to change. It's going to swing back into, instead of a a solid blue, it's going to maybe dip back into purple. uh, Or maybe even pink. Who knows? But I really think they're overplaying their hand. It's the same thing with this impeachment deal. I don't know what they're they're thinking that they're going to accomplish. They're pushing so hard that I think people, by the time the election rolls around, are going to be are going to say, you know what, I, we've had enough of this crap. We've had enough of this nonsense. And I th- I actually think Trump is going to get reelected, at least from what I'm seeing today. Now again, that's a long ways off as far as collective memory and what will happen when people. When it's actually time for people to turn up to vote, are you know are they going to do it? Are they are they going to vote for him or not? Um, depending on who the candidates are, is it going to be Biden? Is it going to be Warren? Or, you know that's and these are other things. But I think this idea of and I don't know whether they'll uh, the idea of gun control as a major platform. I don't know whether the Democrats will learn the lesson from what is happening in Virginia or if they are going to say, oh, that's just a bunch of stupid hicks and hillbillies out in the, you know, out in the sticks and, and uh, we don't really have to worry about that. We've, we've got the population, so it doesn't matter. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's, it's like these people don't realize that we have a constitutional rep- a representative republic and not a democracy uh, or they realize it and they don't care they're just going to push through what they can push through and uh, you know I don't know I think that for the Democrats for a lot of them it's like well if I go against my party they're not going to back me when it comes time for me to get re-election and to get funding and to get help and if I do that, I'm probably, you know, 90% sure of losing my election because they'll put somebody in there who's going to play ball as opposed to, eh, there's maybe a 40 or 50% chance that I'll, that I'll lose against, you know, another opponent. You know, so they're going to roll the dice. Um, but I was glad to see uh, the action that, that took place in Virginia it will be very, very interesting to see what happens with the rest of the country. So in places like Arizona, it's going to be very interesting to see on our Senate race and on some of the other races that we're going to have here 
are we going to keep somebody like McSally who, ugh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure she's probably... I don't know. I would want to say competent. Uh, I, you know, I don't. She seems to do okay, but she is so unrelatable that I don't know if we'll get somebody like that, Mark Kelly. However, if you look at some of his campaign ads, and I tried to, one of them came up, and I couldn't ever get it to replay, but he's got an ad, a campaign ad, where he's saying, basically, we need more gun control. And I just don't know that that can really fly out here in Arizona. Cinema did not run on that type of thing. Cinema, and this is what I think, and maybe this is what he'll fail to realize. I don't know. Um, cinema ran on a thing of, hey, I yeah, I'm a Democrat, but and I you know I believe in X, Y, and Z, but I am a moderate, and I will do stuff and vote for things only if it benefits the people of Arizona. I'm not going to go up there and be a party shill. I'm going to represent you. This is where I'm from. This is the state I love, blah, 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 blah. Will he do that? Will McSally do that? I don't know. I, I think that's what somebody like her needs to do. And again, you say, well, why is that important? And we see that you know we're hanging on to the Senate uh, as far as Again, I'm not Republican. I don't have any love for either party. Uh, I have less hatred, probably, for the Republicans than I do for the Democrats because it, the Democrats are basically, they're saying, okay, the gloves are off. We are coming for your guns. And we're going to do it by any means that we can. Um, and then they get cocky and they overplay their hands. So, you know, anyway, I, I know I'm kind of rambling on about this stuff, but... What I did want to do real quick is go over the Florida shooting. And uh, talk a little bit about that. I'm about oh, five or ten minutes away from, from my destination. But what happened in Florida, and this is the, the uh, incident that I'm referring to, is the UPS driver that was killed. As more and more of the facts are coming out, what we see is that the, uh, the way the news reported is that the thieves went into a, the robbers went into a jewelry store and they shot a woman in the head. Well, that's technically what happened. But what really happened was, is they came in, one of the guys shot his gun onto the, into the ground there was a ricochet and it came up and hit the lady in the head. This prompted the owner, again, this is the, from the information I have, so it could be incorrect, but this prompted the owner. They got kind of into a gun battle. Those guys left, hijacked the truck. The police were chasing them, had lots of opportunities to either close off the, um, some of the thoroughfares, do some other things, um, I, I am they, and what, what happened was is they ended up getting into a shootout with these guys on a major thoroughfare uh, and there was probably at least from what I counted from looking at the videos at least 60 to 70 cops there probably more um, there was at least probably 20 to 25 maybe more that looked like they were shooting into the vehicle 
into the UPS truck. I think, and I don't, I don't, we probably won't know for a couple of years. The police will probably keep this stuff, even when people file Freedom of Information Acts. The police will probably keep this stuff pretty close to the vest and won't release it because they're going to say it's an ongoing investigation. I think we're going to find out that the police actually killed the hostage. When you look at the videos, what you see is the police using cars and the people in the cars basically as cover and maybe as a little bit of concealment. And when they open up on the UPS van, if you're listening to a show called Firearms Cafe, most of you know bullets will zip right through a car a car is not the the reason you get behind a car for cover is you get behind the engine and you've got all that metal and and a car it gives you that's your best your best position that you can be in wherever that engine is that's where you get yourself between you and the bullets that are coming in doesn't mean that a bullet might not find its way through but it's a lot less likely Again, when these guys were shooting and when they were, were, were going after the guys in the UPS truck, the, uh, the robbers, they, they knew there were people in those cars. It wasn't like those cars were all abandoned on the road and, uh, and there was nobody in them. They knew 100% that people were in there. And this justification that people give, like, oh, well, you know, the, those guys were shooting at the cops and, and, uh, and, and they had to shoot back. Well, no, they didn't. Because if you went into, a, if, if those guys went into a school or if those guys, you know, were, were, were in a, a crowded mall during the holiday season, are they going to shoot back? And the answer is probably, yeah, they would. But I don't think they would justify it then, especially if they said, well, they were in a kindergarten, so they had to shoot back. They would say, no, what they did is they could, they could have maybe let them uh, maybe leave or, or something like that. And I'm kind of in a parking lot now, so I, I, uh, I'm going to be a little scattered till I get parked here. And I've actually got a few more minutes than I thought I did. So we'll, we'll do this. So the, the major point for me is that you had police that basically just had total disregard for the for the safety of the general public that those and, and the reality is whether you want to believe it or not is what those guys did was they used the average citizen they used that person as a uh, as a backstop and as a sponge for bullets, um, they used they use that to uh, protect themselves. And had a lot and showed a lot of disregard for the for the safety and welfare. Again, of the general public and people. What's amazing is that people are are seeing stuff like, oh, you know, it's just, they, what's the big deal? You know, this, that, and the other thing. Well, the big deal is there was an innocent bystander 
that got shot and killed. Also, the hostage got shot and killed. I don't know 100% where the other guy was. Who I, I believe he was about 70 years old. The UPS driver, I think, was about 27. But that guy was just sitting in traffic, and then he caught a, a stray bullet. I would not be surprised to find out where that guy was, that, that, it, that with the direction that the criminals were shooting, probably their bullet couldn't have hit that guy. I would also be very surprised if they actually killed the hostage because that would be sort of their bargaining chip at that point. And I don't, I don't think the first thing they're going to do is basically immediately execute that dude. I think if, if they're kind of shooting back at the cops and they're doing that, then they're, they're concentrating on firing on the cops and trying to get away more so than just going to, okay, we're going to kill our hostage type thing. Um, but I, I am, I am still surprised at how many people are justifying what the police did. And I guess I don't, are they, I, are they just so indoctrinated that they cannot engage in critical thinking anymore? That if it's a if it's a police officer who's doing something, well, then 100% they're right. We can't question them. You know they're 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 doing what they were trained to do. Their lives were in danger. You know I just and I think some people because when they watch when they watch the videos, it's it's like when people have road rage. And they disassociate the fact that, yeah, they're, they see just a car and they, they don't realize that there are people in those cars. And there were, there were men in those cars, there were women in those cars, there were children in those cars. And again, it's, it's sort of during rush hour traffic, so the fact that... The, that they did not kind of let those guys... Look, they were in a giant UPS truck that has a GPS tracker on it. And if I, I, I could be wrong, but I thought they were even... They had a limiter on how fast they could go. I think. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, there, you, could let, you could let those guys get away, get further away... And people will say, oh, there was a hostage in the truck. Okay. It's better than them executing the hostage. I mean, in, in my point of view, they might as well, the police might as well just dragged that guy out of that UPS truck, stood him up against a wall, and shot him. They had total, total disregard for that person's safety and well-being, and they had total disregard for the people that were innocent bystanders that were around them. And I don't know how people aren't sort of more outraged. I, it, it, it boggles my mind that 
this will sort of just be swept under the rug. And I think that probably, again, like I said a little earlier, what's going to happen is a couple of years from now, we're going to find out, oh, you know, the police, you know, they accidentally killed. It was only one bullet when probably it's going to be more like the guy was shot like 10 times. Um, when I was a watch, when I was watching the original news stuff, it was before a lot of it was kind of blurred out. And you see this poor guy, the UPS driver, just falls out, and you can tell he's dead. You can tell he's gone. He's he's just a dead body that's that's hitting the street, and and then to top it all off. The, the, the tweets from UPS are like praising the officers. Oh, you know, thank you. Thank you, brave officers for, you know, trying to save this guy. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I cannot. And I'm sure some, I don't know, I, I probably won't get any feedback on this, but I'm sure I'll get maybe some where somebody's like, you know, you don't know and you don't understand and you weren't there and those cops had to do what they had to do. But again, You'll never convince me of that. If, and if you, look, if you want to sort of give the cop side of it, I guess, go ahead and write in. I mean, I'll write in or, or uh, uh, record your own audio. I'll play it out for you on the show, but you're not, again, you're not going to convince me otherwise. You know, if that was your wife and kids that were in the traffic, and let's say that they are a couple of cars ahead of the UPS van, they're shooting the you know toward toward that van and bullets are going to go through bullets are going to miss so you know i don't and i don't it's it's really it's not a, i don't think it's a training issue i think it is an issue of these guys are They're gonna they're gonna get the bad guy at, at at any cost, and I think that what's unfortunately what's happening with a lot of police departments in this in this country is is and I've talked about I've, I talked about this years ago, and I talked about the militarization of the police, and that and and what that attitude means, and that eventually we're gonna pay a price for that. And what you're you're seeing is that if the if the police have that militarized attitude of we are in enemy territory, and it is an, an and there is a very us against them attitude, and if you're not cop, you are them. You're not us. And if one of them happens to catch a bullet, oh well. At least it wasn't one of us. We're going to go home. That's the most important thing. We go home. Uh, and this was the attitude of a lot of friends of mine that were cops back in the day. I, and I can't imagine it's gotten different. Uh, when, when I worked probation, that was the attitude <laughs> that we had. Because, you know, we had to go to, you had to go to people's houses and visit them there. You had to go sometimes to their you know, work and do all this other stuff. And you could say, yeah, but you were just doing juvenile, so they were just kids. But the, you're, you're going to their parents' house. A lot of times those parents, 
they don't want you there. They're, it's very adversarial. They're sometimes third, fourth generation criminal, fourth, third or fourth generation gang members. Uh, you know, I w- there were several homes where I would go to where the the house was covered in gang graffiti. And you would talk to the parents or grandparents. They would be tatted up with all this gang stuff. But eh, I'm starting to, uh, to digress a little bit. But again, our the attitude from us that we got was, you know, you got to be safe. You got to do what you got to do to get home. And the, the line supervisors would say stuff like, well, I can't tell you to you know, that you can, you know, punch your way out of it or, you know, if you got to pick up a baseball bat or if you happen to have a gun and, you know, blah, 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 all this other stuff uh, and you got to fight your way out, you know, that's not what policy is, but you got to do what you got to do. Now, of course, the higher-ups are, are saying stuff like, uh, um, well, you can't do any of that. In fact, well, I don't even know if I should go into this stuff. Right before I left uh, probation, we were starting the process of being armed. At the time, we weren't when I was uh, when I was working, but but we were going through the stuff, and I was going through the training and doing all this other stuff. Uh, I wanted to go through the training. I did not know whether or not I was going to be armed back then. I didn't have maybe some of the views that I have now. Um, I probably eventually would have. My concern was is that if anything at all happened, that the agency would leave you out to dry. But I probably would have said, well, you know, so what if I lose my job type thing? Um, anyway, um, they were the, the higher ups, the, one of the, the person who was our chief was basically saying things like, if you saw somebody, you know, the gun is there just to protect yourself. If you saw somebody getting raped, if you saw a woman getting raped, you're not to use your firearm to stop it. And one guy I was in training with was like, what? And then she said, yeah, if you see somebody, you know, if that's not what the gun is there for and you wouldn't be covered. And then he was like, well, look, and he said, and, the, and our chief was a female. And he said, if I saw you getting assaulted and getting raped, I would use the gun to stop that, to try and help you. And the balls on this lady, she was like, well, you shouldn't do that. That's against policy and you won't be covered. So that's the kind of bureaucratic nonsense we're, you know, that I dealt with at my old job. But, uh, but again, kind of getting back to the police, you, you have, again, this militarized attitude. And I think, I think there's been a lot of uh, standards that have been lowered. Again, friends that I had that that were police officers kind of bemoaned that. And that was, you know, a few years ago. So I can't imagine, again, that's gotten any better. Uh, But think about that. Think about what's going on. Think about when you see some of these things, when you see that, that basically, and it's not just local cops, it's, it's government in general. And government is going to do what government wants to do. And government's going to cover for itself. And government is going to write laws that protect itself from us, from the average person. And it will allow them to do whatever they want. And we see this as a prime example in Virginia. When, when a certain group, when the Democrats came to power there or think they're going to have power, they're like, well, we're going to confiscate everything. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You have an elected official who is saying, 
Now, I'm not speaking for the governor, but he has the option to have the, the uh, National Guard come in, and then the head of the National Guard, the major general, whatever the hell he is, is doesn't say, no, we won't do that. He doesn't say we took an oath to uphold the Constitution and we're not going to allow, you know, we won't be used as a bludgeon to carry out unconstitutional laws and unjust laws. So anyway, I don't want to just keep doing segments after segments after segments. So I am going to draw the show to a close. Let me know what you guys think. I really would like to hear from some of you guys. Uh, whether you agree with me, disagree, whether you think the cops are justified in that shooting, whether you think uh, the, your uh, thing with Virginia as well, elections have consequences type thing, let me know what you think. Uh, I may not agree with you. I may disagree with you. I won't. Uh, if I do, I won't be mean to you or anything like that. I'll just say, well, you know, this is this guy's opinion and I, I happen to disagree type thing. But I'd love to have your opinion on there, whether you agree or disagree. Um, the place to send that in. Uh, email is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Um, the voicemail is area code 206-745-2731. All right, my friends, I will talk to you next time.
walls 